This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Now, if you've been here for a number of weeks, oh man, I, I bet we're getting close to 15, maybe 20 weeks now. We've been on the trajectory of faith here on Wednesday nights. And so what we've done is we've dissected Joseph's life from what he went through through the dream until he actually walked in that dream. But just to remind her some things last week, in Jeremiah 1.12, it says that God watches over his word to perform it. So God is watching over his word. Now, some people say, well, what's the word? The word's the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. And you know what? In this life, you can overdose on a lot of things. You can overdose on too much drink, too much food. But I'll tell you right now, you're never going to overdose on the Word of God. You can't get too much of the Word of God, okay? And so we find out that the Word of God, um, Psalms 105, it said the Word of God would test you. We know in Romans 10, 17, it's the Word of God that creates faith, that builds faith. It says faith come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But also in Psalm 119, verse 33, he says... I will order your steps by my word. So it's very important that we fall in the uh, in love with the word of God. There's times I think it's very important that we say, Father God, put in my heart an appetite for your word. I hunger and thirst for your word. So we begin tonight in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26. Then God said, let us, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, make man in our image, according to our likeness, reflecting our nature. Let them, mankind, have dominion or complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, even the creeps. So God created man in his own image to be godlike. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. Now note that right there. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth. And I want you to subdue it. The word subdue there means I want you to take charge. I want you to govern it. Now in this passage right here, we are literally God's agents right here on earth. God said, I give you the ability, the power here. And so he said, subdue it. Then he goes on to say the very next word and have dominion. Have dominion. The word dominion there he mentions two times in verse 26, 28. The word dominion there means to rule, to reign, to have absolute authority or God's delegated authority. The Amplified says complete authority. And so... We should never be pleased to live or dwell on a level of existence lower than what God has made us or made it possible for us to live, okay? And I mean, God set the bar real high right here. And when you look at this, God created mankind, me and you, to have power on the earth. And he commissioned us to use it the same way he did to, to, to good. Do it for good. And so when we see the word power, this is a legitimate desire that God put in every one of our lives. That he wants us all to walk in delegated power. And to do that, we got to act like him. We got to imitate him. 
And so in, in saying that right there, up to this point, every one of the tests that Joseph went through on this journey, every one of them we studied involved how mankind would handle difficulties. How would we handle tribulations? How would we handle trials? And over and over and over we looked at that. But when it comes to power, it becomes a totally different test. And how I respond and how you respond to power, how do I respond to success? How do I respond to blessings in my life? And we understand this, that with every bit of power that God gives us, that means there must be responsibility. With power comes responsibility. So when I get married, my spouse, there becomes responsibility. When I have children, there becomes responsibility on me. That's a novel idea. When I go to work, my job, there's responsibility. I mean, any phase of my life that I begin to operate in a, in a delegated power or authority, there must be responsibility. And so when we talk about power here, God's power involves responsibility. Now, turn with me to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis 41, and as we're turning there, here's the question. How do I, re- how do I handle the responsibility in my life right now? Maybe a better question for some of you. How will you handle responsibility in the future? Because God here, he's told us, man, I want to give you power. I want to give you dominion. I want you to subdue. So we begin Genesis 41, verse 1. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that the Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Now, understand what he's talking about is these two full years. Remember, Joseph at this time was in prison. He had been falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and he's in prison. Remember while he was in prison, the butler and the baker, they have these dreams, and Joseph interprets their dreams. And he says to the butler, don't forget me, remember me. And so after that, two full more, two full years take place. And so now after the two full years, the king, the prime minister of Egypt, Pharaoh, he has this dream. He's got this incredible dream. So pick back up with me, same chapter. Let's go to verse number eight. Now it came to pass in morning that, uh, that Pharaoh's spirit was troubled and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was no one who could interpret the dream for him. Then the chief butler spoke to the Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. When the Pharaoh was angry with the servants, and you put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Now, if you go back and you think about that, he looked to the old butler, and he said, now listen here, dude, here's the interpretation of the dream. 
It's going to be well with you. Your life is going to be restored. And so the, the baker, he hears that and he says, hey, hey, I'm in line for this. And so he interprets the break, the, the baker's dream. You know what he says? Not so lucky for you, buddy. In three days, he's going to hang you. Now, many times when we think that the interpretations of the dreams of God, they're always going to be positive, not necessarily so. But anyways here, Joseph interpreted both of their dreams just as God had showed him. So we begin again in verse 14. Then the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and he came to the Pharaoh. Now this is interesting to me, because I'll guarantee you, he's sitting in his prison cell. And this was probably the, the last thing he expected that morning when he got up. Isn't God good? Oftentimes you find out God will move in your life when you least expect it. Don't give up, okay? Hang on to those dreams. So he goes on to say, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. Now watch Joseph's response here. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, It is not in me. It's not because of me. It's not because of my godliness. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And so the interpretation, that gift, was from God. But I want you to understand again, when God moves on this earth, how does he move? He moves through people. But again, that gift, it came from God. And so when you read here, what Joseph's response was, he refused to take credit for the gift that God had given him. Now, I want you to think just for a little bit in your life right now. The areas of your life that you're really gifted in, and you know what those are, who gets the credit? Who do you give the glory to? When someone says, oh, pastor, you have the voice of an angel. I don't say, I, I know, I know. I don't say, you know, I, I sound like Frank Sinatra. Some of you young would say, who is that? Okay, Justin Bieber, that'll help you a little easier. Again, you begin to, to, to look in our lives, and when, when people begin to brag on you, who gets the credit? Who gets the credit when someone says, you're the best mother, you're the greatest husband, you're the hardest worker I, I have? Who gets the credit? Now, when I say that right there, that is understanding that we're in a power test. That our hearts are always being revealed. And so it's very important in our lives that when good things, success, prosperity comes, Father God, it's because of you. Now, same chapter. Start with me in verse 32 for time's sake here. Let me skip a little. So the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Verse 33, now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and a wise man and let him set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. 
and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which the Lord will be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. Now remember, if you've studied this, the interpretation of the dream would be there will be seven years, you're going to be less blessed, and there's going to be seven years of, of drought, of poverty. And so right here, not only did Joseph give him the interpretation of the dream, Joseph begins to speak wisdom. Verse 37. So the advice was good in the eyes of the Pharaoh and all the eyes of his servant. Now again, they weren't just impressed by jo- uh, Joseph's ability to interpret the dream. They heard the wisdom that came out of his voice. And I believe it's very important. That when we get advice, we get it from from people that are wise with the things of God. He goes on to say in verse 38, And the Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a such as one as this, a man who is the Spirit of God? Now, know what the Pharaoh says here. Man, I don't know if we can find a man who has the Spirit of God like him. Now, the reason I want to highlight that is because in Genesis 39, in verse 3, his master, when he was a slave, was a guy named Potiphar. You know, Potiphar said the same thing about him. I see the Spirit of God on him. In Genesis 39, in verse 23, the, the head of the jail, the warden or the head prisoner, prison keeper, He said the same thing about Joseph. The same thing. So we have the Pharaoh, we have Potiphar, we have the keeper of the prison, and all three of them said, I see the Spirit of God on him. The interesting thing about all three of those men, not one of them believed in God. Not one of them believed in the Lord. And it's interesting to me that these people that had no relationship with God, they saw the Spirit of God within him. Understand this, you may work around people that don't know God, but because of the goodness of God on you and me, because of the authority that he's given us and the blessings, they'll see God. They'll look and say, well, I don't know what's different about you. Verse 40. Verse 39, then the Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. Now, what would happen in your life right now if someone said, you are the most successful person I've been around? You are brilliant. There's no one as wise or intelligent or as understanding as you are. And so what you begin to see here when he says this about Joseph, this is the same thing that happens to every one of us when we start experiencing blessing, power, success, and fame. We have the ability to stay humble or we can get over into pride. The Proverbs is very clear. Pride goes before destruction. And haughtiness or arrogance goes before a fall. 
How do you handle that when people begin to boast on you? Verse number 40. You shall be over my house and all my people. You shall be... You shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And the Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. You're in charge. Then the Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand. And that signet ring, guys, right there, it represented the royal seal. When they saw that signet ring, you know what they said? This guy's got authority. It would be like having a badge. I mean, when you see a badge, you realize that dude's got some authority. Same thing here. Then he goes on to say, not only did he give him the signet ring, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen, and he put a gold chain around his neck. He literally, he goes from rags to riches in one day. Verse 43, and he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, and they bowed the knee. So he sent him over all the land of Egypt, and Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. So again, in a single day, this guy goes from the prison to the palace. He goes from rags to riches. Think about this, what this can begin to do to you. That it would be very easy in this situation to begin to look and say, you know what, I'm pretty important. I'm pretty special. And again, when you rise to the level of responsibility and power, how would me and you respond to the people that treated us bad? Would I show up and I would knock knock on Potiphar's door and say, I'm back. See, it'd be very easy to try to get even with people because now I got power. And many times when I got power, I become prideful and I become arrogant. So you begin to see he's now in a pride test. Turn with me to Psalm 62, the 62nd Psalm. And let's go a little deeper here because there's some things that I believe we really, really need to touch on today that, that helps every one of us. Psalm 62, and once we get there, we'll begin in verse number 9. says, surely men of low degree are a vapor. One translation says they're vanity. Vanity means they're useless. So what he's talking about here, on a social scale, people of a low degree, they're of no value. But men of a high, high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales... They are altogether lighter than the vapor. They are altogether useless. So literally what he begins to say, you put the low degree and the high degree together, nothing for nothing leaves nothing. Now listen to this statement right here. Status or rank carries no weight on the scales of justice in God's eyes. You know what that means? In God's eyes... We're all created equal. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Thank you for being excited about we're all created equal. Verse 10. Do not trust in oppression, 
nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Now, back in verse 9, he got over and said, listen, whatever you do, don't trust in men. And then verse 10, he starts saying, then don't trust in money. I got to read this to you. I got to, I got to share this with you right here. I've had some things through, uh, through the election that causes you to kind of scratch your head. You begin to look at things and I want to, I want to quote something I said on Sunday morning. The pastor in Dallas, Texas, uh, Dr. Tony Evans, he said this the other day. He said, God is more concerned about his house than the White House. Ooh, that's prophetic to me. And so some of the stuff I begin to hear, when, when you hear people that begin to, to, to hurt and they're in pain and stuff, listen to this. This is, this is Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, or makes his arm my strength, and his heart departs from the Lord. So I'm sitting there looking at that, and he says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. So I begin to look at this in different translations, and it cross-reference to Psalms 146, verse 3. It says, Don't put your trust in princesses, prime ministers, Presidents, don't put your trust in the nation's history. Don't put your trust in political policies. Don't put your trust in foreign alliances. Don't put your trust in governments. So who do I put my trust in? God. I believe that's in every area of my life. I believe that's in all our lives. And I think to a degree we've gotten away from that. And I can stand here before you and I can say, I've done that before. Where we begin to look at, well, man, if, if we just hit the lottery, that would cure everything. No, that'd just bring a whole nother problems. Be some problems we may want to experience, but it'd still be another set of problems. But see, oftentimes this is how we get as people. We forget God. And we take God out of the equation. God's a big God. God's a big God. And you know what I've seen throughout the Bible? That there was a king named King Saul who became very ungodly. And you know what God did? God brought a David in his life to straighten him out. And there was a king in Egypt named the Pharaoh. And he was very ungodly. And you know what God did for him? He brought him a Joseph to straighten him out. And if we'll just pray and believe God, God will move, okay? God will move. So back to verse 11. Psalm 62, 11. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render or you reward to each one according to his work. And that last part there in verse 12, you render to each one according to his work, it has to do with responsibility or accountability. That God's saying, I'm the God of power, I'm the God of mercy. But I'm going to give it to you, I'm going to let you use it. And will you be accountable to God, you will be responsible to Him. Now i got one more passage you got to go to. Go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. I know I'm moving. I know I'm moving. 
First Peter chapter 5, way back there in the New Testament. Here's, here's a verse for you you can stand on today, okay? Proverbs 3, uh, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. But in all my ways I acknowledge you. And he said, I'll direct your steps. So what's my part? Man, I got to acknowledge God. I got to trust God. And then I begin to welcome God. Father God, I welcome you to order my steps. I don't know about you. My life is a lot better when God orders my steps. I mean, he, he's, the, he's the eternal GPS. He, he knows us better than anybody. The Bible says he knows the very head on our hairs on your head. And that doesn't mean the ones that are going bald, he doesn't know you very well. That's not what that means, okay? I'm just being honorary, all right? First Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. That's a great thought. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. And all of you be clothed with humility. To be clothed with humility and to be submissive to one another, it's a choice. Isn't it interesting what he tells us? He says, be clothed with humility. So that means I'm going to have to purposely put on humility. Now watch his wordings. The very next word in verse 5, he says, for God resists the proud. God sets himself against the proud, the overbearing, the boastful. But he gives grace to the humble. The humble is the one who lowers himself in his own estimation. So there's two things right here you begin to see. Oftentimes with power and authority, people will get over into pride. Where did pride originate? Pride originated in heaven with a guy or a being, an angel named Lucifer. And remember, Lucifer had the brilliant thought that I'm going to be like God. And when he began to act that way, that pride was born. And because of pride, God boots him out of heaven. And so anytime me and you become prideful, better than thou, I'm better than you because of my education. I'm better than you because of the color of my skin. Are you kidding me? So what begins to happen, we take on the very nature of the devil, and it says that God will resist you. This is the only place in the Bible I can find where God resists people. He doesn't resist the murderer. He doesn't resist the liar. He doesn't resist the cheater. But when I get over into pride and arrogance, get ready. It'll be like hitting a dead wall. But he said, I give grace. To the humble. I give grace to the humble. Now let me ask you something. Every one of us in this room at one time or another, we've been around humble people and we've been around arrogant people. Who do you choose to be around? I don't like to be around arrogant people. I mean, I have the thought a lot of times when I'm around arrogant people, who died and made you God? I always notice people, their, their humility or their arrogance. I don't know why. I see it all the time. I guess I just because of these verses. Now, I'm, I'm going to brag I'm on a guy in here tonight, and he's here. And I didn't ask him for permission, but oh well. He who's got the mic's got the power. 
So this happens a month ago. It's a Friday morning. It's about 8 o'clock. Uh, the sun has just begun to come up. You know, that was before the time change. There was a lot of moisture in there, a lot of fog that morning. And so I'm, uh, I'm playing golf that morning. I love to play golf. And so we're driving down the fairway. And I see this, uh, like a lawnmower, the guy was working on the greens, and he's coming before us, and he's moving. And I see his headlights, and we're moving. And all of a sudden, we get right up next to him, and the guy who I'm getting ready to tell you about here in a minute, he stops. And they both slam on the brake. And they greet each other with, God bless you, good morning, how are you, God loves you, this and this. And so I'm sitting there thinking, wow, this is awesome. This man who works at the golf course, and I'm talking about Bob Worth. He doesn't like it, but I like it. This is Bob right here. And many of you know he's the apostle of love. He will make you feel special without even trying. I mean, it's a sincere. He doesn't know what a gift is. So he says to, to this guy, they're talking back and forth about the things of God. And this guy said to him, he said, when I met you, and he told him how many years ago, he said, when I met you, I knew that God sent you to be in my life. And I'm looking like, and then Bob looks at him and he says, no. You blessed me when you came into my life. And they get out and they hug each other. And so throughout the day, we're playing at a country club. And there's a lot of people at country clubs that have the mentality, I'm better than you. I watch that day. And he doesn't know that I'm really watching. I count eight different people that a lot of people wouldn't have given them their time of day, and he would go out of the way. And you know what? I'd see every one of them when they saw him. They would come and they would hug him, and he would tell them how special they were. And I said, man, I like to hang out with guys like that. But see, you know what it means? i got to put on the choice of humility. Now we end in verse 6. Oh, Pastor, hurry. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. The New American Standard said that he'll exalt you in the proper time. Think about that in Joseph's life. Because of the humility on him, God promoted him at the proper time. Do you know that's exactly what God wants to do to each one of us? Humility is a choice. Even even with the power test. I mean, when I watch sports on TV, I love people that are humble when they win. I mean, I'll tell you right now, that, that guy on uh, the MMA, the, the Colin Montgomery, that dude is bad, but I pray someone knocks him out. Just because of the arrogance of you looking and saying, dang, dude, you need to get humbled. But then you get over to other people. And oh my gosh, I remember in the Olympics when ones would win and they'd say, I give God the glory. And you're like, yeah, buddy, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to put a gold medal on you. See, that's how people look at us though. And God watches. God knows our heart. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.